Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and it's E3 week. Maybe. A little bit. Ostensibly. Digital E3. Of course, E3 was canceled last year, and this year it it's unclear exactly what E3 intends to be, except that Microsoft is having a big conference on Sunday, much like they do to prelude E3 week as it has happened historically in the past. This time, of course, co-presenting with their wholly owned subsidiary, Bethesda. And as part of setting up for that presentation, they went out today with a whole bunch of marketing. But it's interesting marketing. And I thought we would talk a little bit about it here in virtual legality because Microsoft, Xbox, they continue to separate from what has been the traditional model of selling video games into the market in very interesting ways. So I brought up an article from Games Industry Biz, which is largely a summary of what they went out with this morning, including the CEO of Microsoft himself, which is kind of a rarity. Gaming does not drive Microsoft's profits, even though it's becoming more and more prevalent in their reports and releases and things like that. Windows, Enterprise, that's what runs Microsoft right now and into the foreseeable future. And yet they had the big guns that they brought out this morning. Games Industry Biz called it, Xbox wants to release a game every three months. The company lays out its ambition to reach billions of gamers. And we're just going to talk about some of these quotes as well as the post that they put up on their Xbox Wire blog feed uh, to talk about what it is that they plan to do in the marketplace. So a couple of those quotes. In order to keep growing, we need to expand our audience beyond console to new demographics and geographies we haven't reached before and provide meaningful value for that audience to choose to spend their money with us, said the Xbox chief financial officer, Tim Stewart. So we're talking about dollars and cents here, but I think it's a good quote to open an article like this because they're talking about expanding what gaming is. And certainly some of the things we have seen from Sony, their primary competitor in the boxes under TV's video game business, is that they are also thinking about how to branch out in specific ways, suggesting, of course, that Xbox, Game Pass, Microsoft in and of itself has had some success in this particular market. We had moved away from our core focus on delivering the best gaming experience, so we needed to get that back on track and repair our relationship with our most important customers. Speaking, I think, here to, of course, 2013's TV, TV, TV. We're going to get your ESPN through your Xbox. We're not really going to talk about games. You've got Halo uh, and Forza and Gears of War, and that's all you need. But they understood that that wasn't the direction that was going to ultimately see them through to success. And I think we knew that at the time. I think they knew that at the time or shortly thereafter. So they've been pushing and moving into this kind of software as a service game pass sales model throughout the last couple of years and certainly now in the new generation. One of the key elements editorializing from the games industry biz writer here of the strategy involves going beyond the console, which is something the company has been doing by putting its games on PC and xCloud. Head of Xbox Game Studios, Matt Booty, said later in the briefing, you'll see us put more commitment and resources into bringing diverse voices into our games and into our teams. As our audience expands around the world to include people from all walks of life, we need to foster and support people seeing themselves in their entertainment. Of course, talking about representation in the kinds of games that they make. I hope also representation in gamers that don't necessarily just want to shoot men down a hallway or aliens. 
let's not leave Halo out of this discussion, but that want to engage in games in different ways. And one thing that I think Game Pass is really good at, you've probably heard me say it here in Virtual Legality and on other podcasts that I appear on, is that Game Pass to me is a tremendous indie sample buffet that there are indie games that I just never know whether they're going to coalesce or come together in a fashion that's going to be nice, that I'm going to enjoy. And Game Pass capturing all those and putting them on their servers helps me to try out things that I was unwilling to kind of guess at uh, for the asking price. And sometimes I buy those. So sometimes everybody makes extra money from me. Uh, And that's really no surprise in gaming. I like to support uh, game development on the whole. We want to get to a point of releasing a new game every quarter which sounds pretty ambitious. A new game from Microsoft's internal studios, an exclusive to Game Pass and Microsoft. The math is as follows. Games take up to four or five years to make. And the reality is that not every project we start will make it to launch. But if you add all that up, that's how we've gotten to our state today with two dozen studios making games across a variety of genres. Yeah, if you assume there's five years of development, that's 20 quarters, then you've got 24 studios. You should maybe be able to hit a game a quarter. Of course, you've got a runway here that's going to take three or four years to get up and running. And then maybe you get those every game a quarter for Game Pass. And that's a good way to sell that uh, product, I think. And we know that a thriving entertainment service needs a consistent and exciting flow of new content. So our portfolio will continue to grow as our service grows. You see, I highlighted that in red. Uh, And I highlighted it in red because portfolio could be games, just games on the whole. Of course, if you put development dollars into making games, you're going to have more games when you're done spending those dollars. But also, Microsoft has been buying companies up left and right, including this year's big giant purchase of Bethesda. And so when they say our portfolio will continue to grow as our service grows, sounds to me like they're indicating to the market that two dozen studios, that feels good. But does it feel great? Don't know. Microsoft might have some new announcements either on the horizon uh, or in relatively short order. Then we get, of course, everybody's favorite Xbox boss, Phil Spencer, who said the bottom line is that we simply put out more top quality games in front of more people than other companies. Uh, And certainly that is the ambition for Xbox is to put out more top quality games. The question is, do they do that right now? I think the answer to that is pretty obviously no. PlayStation and Sony put out the best games the most often, but Xbox has been building up this portfolio of game companies to make those games. And so I view this as a little bit more aspirational than a reflection of what the current state of Xbox gaming actually is. Across the Xbox ecosystem, we're now reaching hundreds of millions of people every month, and our total addressable market is going to grow while others are relatively static. Now that's business speak. But what he's saying is that Game Pass is something new, that we're hitting other people that wouldn't necessarily go out there to their Best Buy, to their Walmart, wherever, and buy a box to put under their TV with the primary purpose of playing video games on it. So with their software, they can address a larger market than the people that are already invested in buying hardware. Now, that's also not exactly 100% accurate, as we can see from Sony's own numbers, which show that They've got 14.8 million that they're planning to sell in PlayStation 5s, and that would have been enough to sell through the PlayStation 4, and clearly demand has increased for the PlayStation 5 generation, and that's a reflection of a growing pie in video gaming altogether, including just those folks that are primarily selling boxes under television. So they're gilding the lily a little bit, and that's not unusual. This is a marketing video, and this is a marketing uh, prep move for their big presentation on Sunday, But while Microsoft is moving into a different area, 
it's not like Sony isn't also growing and their PlayStation brand isn't also growing. Right now, we are the only platform shipping games on console, PC, and cloud simultaneously. Others bring console games to PC years later, not only making people buy their hardware up front, but then charging them a second time to play it on PC. And who in the world could Phil Spencer be talking about here? I love it when they take shots at each other with subtweets in interviews like this. But of course, if you don't know, Herman Hulse just went out with an interview on the PlayStation blog, interviewed by himself, of course, just like Microsoft is doing here, that said, hey, how does PC fit into your worldview of PlayStation Studios? Well... I want to emphasize that PlayStation will remain the best place to play on our PlayStation Studio titles at launch, but we do value PC gamers and we'll continue to look at the right times to launch each game. Ben Studio just released the PC version of Days Gone on May 18th, so that's about two years after the PS4 release. And of course, there's no kind of entitlement to play the PC version of Days Gone from your owning it on PlayStation 4, although Sony did upgrade Days Gone up to a PlayStation 5 60 frame release. So they did give a little something to the people that originally purchased it. But you can see writ large the difference in philosophy here. Phil Spencer wants credit for the fact that you buy something on uh, Game Pass. Primarily, you get access to it with Ultimate on the PC, on the Xbox, if there's a PC version available. And you get all of those all in one pie versus some others bringing them to consoles later to get some of that PC money. But if you want it on both places, you will have had to have bought the, the box under the television, and the copy on the PC. So Microsoft continues to try to position itself as a more universal sales market participant than Sony that is still operating in at least a quasi-walled garden capacity as they continue to examine what PlayStation Now should be, how much of a Game Pass kind of competitor they want. And of course, says Phil Spencer, all of our games are in our subscription service day one, full cross-platform included. Then we actually get... Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO, talking about gaming, which, as I said, is a bit of a rarity. We believe we can play a leading role in democratizing gaming and defining the future of interactive entertainment, quite frankly, at scale. There are really three, I think, areas or key areas where we believe we have incredible competitive advantage. First is our leadership in cloud computing. Second, the resources we have to build out the subscription value with Xbox Game Pass. And third is our overall focus on empowering creators. Certainly for the first two, I would tend to agree. Cloud computing, no question. Microsoft is one of the biggest leaders in that area. Second, resources we have to build out our subscription value. Yes, they have the most cash money. They can go and find Bethesda money in their couch cushions at Microsoft headquarters. They undoubtedly have the resources to do this should they deign to do so, which it appears that they have. And then in terms of an overall focus on empowering creators, I really don't get an indication uh, from Nintendo or Sony that they aren't empowering their creators for the most part, although you could get into arguments uh, about Days Gone 2 and things like that. Uh, but I think all of the video game platform hardware manufacturers, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, uh, really do appear to be doing right by their individual owned creators. Uh, perhaps the question is the partner creators, and, and maybe that's something that Microsoft thinks uh, they can have a competitive advantage on. But certainly the first two, the technology and the cash money, are, are things that Microsoft can use to win a fight uh, on this scale. In both consumer and enterprise, and this is Phil Spencer again, we are moving from packaged products and towards ongoing engagement and service-based relationships, much, I know, to the chagrin of a lot of old-school video gamers, uh, that things really are moving towards games as a service, really are moving towards software as a service, because recurring revenue uh, is the coin of the realm right now when you're looking at financial statements of tech companies in general, and then video game companies being a subset of that technology industry. In gaming, that's exactly what we're driving with Xbox Cloud Gaming, 
and with Game Pass. But what makes us different from a service like Netflix is that we give players both options, a subscription package and also a full retail store. And we're seeing the positive results in our financials. Yeah, that's right. You can go and you can buy a game on Xbox if you want, or you can buy it through Game Pass, get it for a little while, even buy it at a discount if you're using that Game Pass. And they're figuring out what that model looks like and certainly keeping their options open from there. Spencer said that Xbox believes it will increase its market share on console because it has both the lowest priced next-gen machine in Xbox Series S and the most powerful console in Xbox Series X. He also states that Game Pass is turning into a deciding factor in people choosing which console to buy. Now, more on that later. But one of the things that Microsoft always kinds of discounts on these kinds of conversations that I don't think the general market does, nor does the commentators like myself, is that when you offer something like Game Pass on things that aren't the console, whether it's PC or as we will see as part of this video, elsewhere, that lowers the demand, the need for someone to purchase the console to get at those exclusives because they can play your games in a different environment. So there is less pressure. There is less requirement to buy into the Xbox marketplace than there is into the Sony one because Sony really is trying to operate that well garden. The reason Herman Holst comes out and says, no, keep in mind, we're not going to put those games on PC for two years is to try to show that there's still a value in buying a PlayStation 5 for yourself, or in that case, a PlayStation 4 with respect to Days Gone. And so there are different philosophies here. And Microsoft is a little bit trying to have its cake and eat its too by saying, oh, we're still going to sell more consoles than we otherwise would have. And that's an open question. Now, that's a question that really doesn't matter to Microsoft. The question that matters is that bottom line number, because if they sell enough game passes, it doesn't really matter where that money is coming from, although it might change their philosophies in terms of research and development on the next generation, if there is one, for Microsoft. We are here to bring joy and community of gaming to everyone on the planet. To achieve that, our aspiration is to empower everyone to play the games you want with the people you want anywhere you want. Of course, the open question there is playing it on a PlayStation, playing it on a Nintendo, and we'll see how that might work uh, as part of this video. That's a big change to how this industry has traditionally worked. In the past, a lot of game companies have been about locking players into certain hardware and erecting barriers between players. We are taking a different approach because we believe that games, that interactive entertainment, aren't really about hardware and software. It isn't about pixels. It's about people. Games bring people together. Games build bridges and forge bonds, generating mutual empathy among people all over the world. Joy and community. Some might say love and respect. That's why we're here. And we want everyone on earth to be able to join in no matter what device they have access to or where you are and without spending a lot of money on every bit of individual entertainment. Now again, they're a business. They are trying to make the most money. They're trying to get that bottom line number as high as possible. But here they say, well, we want to reduce barriers to entry. We want to sell more people $15 of video games than solely relying on fewer people buying $600 of video games. And that's certainly a business strategy. And we'll see how it plays out for them. Seems to be playing out for them fairly well so far. And that's Phil Spencer. That's Nadia Satella. That's the CEO of Microsoft. That's Microsoft in general coming out and talking about the business of what they want to do. Then they give more specifics in a news release that they released at basically the same time here called Bringing the Joy and Community of Gaming to Everyone. And they repeat some of what Phil Spencer said about joy and empathy and everything else. And then they talk about Xbox Game Pass. Xbox Game Pass members play 30% more genres and play 40% more games. Now, I think I play all the genres already, so I think I'm lowering their number there just by being an Xbox Game Pass subscriber. As for 40% more games, 
I, I don't know about that. Certainly not that number, but again, I'm on the far end of the bell curve for who's enjoying this industry as it stands. You also get something like members spend 50% more than non-members, which undoubtedly is true. They're not going to lie in a release like this, but it does cause a kind of uh, chicken and egg question, right? Okay, so members in Game Pass Ultimate spend more, uh, but is that because Game Pass is somehow helping them to spend more, or is it because the people like myself that already spend a lot on video games, that are already invested in this industry, are the ones that are most likely to purchase Game Pass? Uh, and I think that that's an ongoing question. And we'll see how it plays out. I've talked a lot in virtual legality and elsewhere about the fact that Game Pass is still very, very young. This model is really brand new in video games. Uh, and seeing exactly what Xbox has to pay out uh, to its platform partners, whether they're satisfied with it, whether they're repeat customers uh, on the Game Pass service, exactly whether or not Microsoft can recoup the investment that it's making in putting these games out there solely through Game Pass, where you can get those as exclusives and etc., is going to be an open question for a number of years yet. And so you get these kind of stats. You say, yeah, Game Pass doesn't appear to be blowing up their uh, model. It's not destroying it. Uh, but whether or not it's an actual functional model, whether it's a boat that can float and not just take on water is still a question uh, as much as so many people uh, like it right now. Then we get to the big stuff. And we saw this kind of hinted at in the interviews we saw in Games Industry Biz, but it's significant. Xbox is working with global TV manufacturers to embed the Xbox experience directly into internet connected televisions with no extra hardware required except a controller. Now, that's big, big news. They want it to be on your Panasonic, on your LG, what have you, as an app that you can go and you can cloud game effectively. They're Game Pass games from your TV with just a controller. Really, the dream for what Google Stadia was, but with Microsoft and, you know, actual games on the service that people want to play. Now, will it work? Don't know. People certainly have been enjoying xCloud, at least if my social media timelines are any indication, but this is a big deal, not only because they could get Game Pass into more people's hands, they could get more people subscribed to it, but also for that prior reason that we talked about, which is if you don't need an Xbox and this service really works as advertised, then you don't need an Xbox. Uh, and that will have a depressive effect on the sales of those boxes, but Microsoft doesn't care if it's making enough money through Game Pass. Xbox is also exploring new subscription offerings, setting new tiers, what that might look like. We don't know. So more players around the world can experience the most immersive and fun games across devices, geographies, and financial realities. So financial realities suggest to me that they're looking at discount tiers. They're looking at maybe something that has an access component. You know, Netflix, before it was all digital, used to have something that said, hey, you spend a certain amount of money and you get a certain amount of discs sent to you in the mail, and you spend a little bit more, you get more discs. It's possible that you could take the buffet model of Game Pass and reduce it in some fashion. Say, yeah, you get a buffet model, but you could only have X amount of games that you play in any given month. So you can check out everything, but you can only play a certain number. Uh, or you could have other things that could get you to a discount level. It's a little bit unclear because part of the attractiveness of Game Pass is you buy it and you don't have to think about it and you have all these games available to you. You could also potentially have a premium tier and a not premium tier. That might feel bad uh, for just looking at the library of Game Pass games. It's unclear what they're looking at, but they are looking because Game Pass is their next generation console. It really isn't the Series X or the Series S as much as they'd like to sell those because they spent the money developing them. Game Pass is what they're selling. And so they're looking to put it on TVs and toaster ovens and refrigerators. They're looking to have not just the current premium offering, but discount offerings. They're also looking to have 
new purchasing models for the boxes that could help you get into Game Pass. They've been working with telecommunications providers to use purchasing models like Xbox All Access. Hey, are you buying internet from someone? Maybe they can also sell you an Xbox for a couple of bucks extra a month for a few years, and then you have an Xbox, and then maybe you have Game Pass. And then maybe your telecommunications provider is happy because you're locked in with them for a few years. Xbox is also building its own streaming devices. Hey, you don't want to buy an Xbox? Well, you can get whatever the equivalent of a Microsoft Chromecast is. Slap it to the back of your TV that isn't a smart TV because otherwise you'd have the app we're working on up here and you can stream Game Pass just like somebody with one of those smart TVs. And in the next few weeks, cloud gaming on browser will open to all Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members. With Edge, Chrome, and Safari support, players will be a click away from gaming on almost any device which means if you could get that really working and you've got a device like, oh, I don't know, a PlayStation with browser support, you might actually be able to play your Game Pass games on a PlayStation using the browser feature. Uh, and so Xbox clearly has wide, wide ambitions for what this service is, putting them on boxes and TVs and everything else that you can imagine to get them in front of people. You also see that they reference again, their two dozen studios and they say, come check out our display of video games, which for them really needs to be a flex of content, a flex of power, not just Halo, which I know everybody's excited about seeing again, hopefully in a better state than we saw it last summer, but to show that there's a breadth of offerings, that Game Pass is where you want to be. And to be honest with you, I'm not so certain that Microsoft isn't going to knock it out of the park. I'm certainly hopeful for them. People come in here and they see a video like this and they say, oh, I'm an Xbox and I love Xbox. I'll tell you what I love. I love video games. I love consoles. I love success. I don't like to see the Wii U languishing out there. I like to see the Switch succeeding. I don't like to see TV, TV, TV because that means Microsoft isn't in the game. I like to see all of these companies at full power making the best games for the most people because Phil Spencer, you know, blows a lot of smoke. But he's right. Gaming is great. It can bring people together. And it can bring people together in a Game Pass setup, in a PlayStation 5 setup, in a Nintendo Switch setup. I want all of them to succeed. I very much hope that there's really awesome stuff that they show. And certainly as a business-minded guy, a guy with economics background and a law background, obviously, I like to see new stuff tried in these environments. And I think Game Pass and Microsoft is willing to put their money where their mouths are. And it's really, really exciting and interesting to see. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy talking about the business and law of things like video games and video consoles and E3, please do consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon, Streamlabs, a store to buy things at, or just subscribing and telling your friends or forums or the rest of the internet that we're here having these conversations. Every little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.